I'm not anything more than a student myself. So my sitting here is actually out of place. I should be sitting and listening to the nasihat of the Satyadhyaya. Nevertheless, on the hukam, Allah Ta'ala make whatever is going to be said beneficial for me, for all of us. <coughs> person going on any journey, then he has his eye on the destination. Before he even embarks on the journey, he knows where he is heading to and he works out the details of the journey that he has to take. Somebody is going from here to Cape Town. So number one, he knows he wants to go to Cape Town. So he's identified the destination. Whatever his purpose is in Cape Town, he knows this is where he has to go. And then if he's going by road, so now what is the route that he has to take, the directions, etc. He familiarizes himself with that well. And nowadays he'll he doesn't have one, he'll borrow somebody's GPS to, to guide him along because he needs to get to Cape Town and in order to get to Cape Town he has to go through the right route and then whatever the requirements of the journey are, he needs to take that along. So he will make whatever the efforts are to put all these things into place, all these asbab, whatever the asbab are that he has to do to acquire, he will acquire that. And having done that, then he will embark on the journey according to that tartil. He has to take a right turn somewhere, he'll take the right turn. He has to go straight somewhere, he'll carry on straight. There's some restriction somewhere that yeah, you mustn't drive beyond a certain limit, he'll keep to that restriction. And whatever the precautions are, etc., he'll take that. Allah willing, with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala, he will reach his destination. Dunya is Darul Asbab. So he took the care to take on whatever asbab were necessary. He found out the direction and his destination was already understood from beforehand. So he will inshallah with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala reach that end point. But now the person wanted to go to Cape Town to start off with he didn't even or before that one person just sets off. He jumps in the car and he sets off. Somebody asks him, where are you going? He says, I don't know. So if he doesn't know where he's going, where he's going to reach. None knows best where he might reach. One person was just driving, he didn't know the road, he didn't know what's wasn't familiar with the road too. He just drove, suddenly there was a T-junction there, but that markings on the road were got, over time it all got one or wiped out. So he didn't even, he was going at a speed, he didn't stop there. The next thing is he went across. On the other end, now that was a T-junction, on the other end was a ditch. So he went right down the bank, crashed. Why? Because he didn't know number one where he's going, he didn't ask about the road, he didn't have some guidance, direction, look that particular T-junction, watch out, it's dangerous. So he finished off in the ditch. A person doesn't even know, he said, jumped in that vehicle, where are you going to? Oh, he's just boarding one plane, he's just boarding one train, boarding your bus. Where are you going to? No, I don't know where I'm going. One person was travelling in one uh, train, so he was in the lower, now there's a dump, that sleeping, those beds, that 
One is at the bottom, another one's feet at the top. One fellow was sleeping at the bottom, the other fellow was sleeping on the top. Both are strangers to each other, but now they're passing the time, 24-hour journey. This fellow is talking while lying down here, the fellow is talking on top. So he asked him, where are you going? So now the train is going in one direction. He asked him, where are you going? So now, for example, saying he's going to Durban. So now he asked the person on top, where are you going? He says, I'm going to Cape Town. Now, where's Durban? Which direction is Cape Town? So this person first thought about it. He says, you're going to Durban. He says, I'm going to Durban. He says, subhanAllah, look at this technology, you know, how it has advanced. The seat at the bottom is going to Durban, the one on the top is going to Cape Town. <laughs> but now when this fellow finally finishes off in Durban also, he'll realize that the technology hasn't come to that point yet. <laughs> But what was the problem? He didn't know where he's going, or if he knew where he's going, he joined the wrong, jumped on the wrong bus, on the wrong train. Now the person doesn't even have his destination where he'll finish off. Okay, he knows the way he wants to get to, but like this fellow, he just jumps on any bus, any train. He'll finish off far away from where he's supposed to get to. He knows where he wants to go, he knows the direction, he's jumped on the right train, but he's doing all kinds of things that are going to endanger his life there. He wants to start sticking his head out of the window far. He's going to get knocked on something that's going to pass. He wants to do some other dangerous things. He might never reach his destination. <laughs> so all these things need to be in place for the person to get there. Mashallah, we are on the route of ilm. What's our destination? The Among the first Madaris that were built in that zamana was one in Baghdad, which was built by the king, Madrasa Nizamiya. So, in any case, he one day came to see what's going on here. So he disguised himself so that nobody recognizes him as the king. And he came along to ask, see now what's going on. See, one person studying here. He asked him, What you are doing? I'm studying here. Why are you studying here? He says, well, my father is the Qazi. My father, finally, someday he's going to retire. So if I'm also in the same line, I'll one day get that post of the Qazi. So very well. And to a certain next person, you are, what you're doing here? Studying, what you're studying, etc. Why are you studying? So he also gave some kind of answer of this nature. The third person, fourth person, this king became totally disheartened said, the best thing is to close this place down. Then, as he's leaving, he sees one another person studying in some corner. So he asked him, what are you doing? I'm studying. Why are you studying? So he said, because Allah Ta'ala, what Allah Ta'ala wants from me, I need to know that. So that I can fulfill what Allah Ta'ala wants from me. So he left there with the intention that for this one student, this place will carry on. That is a student who became Imam Ghazali, alhamdulillah. He knew his destination, and this is the destination of ilm. The destination of ilm is that it must take us to via the route of amal to Allah. That is the road. Without ilm, we won't be able to make amal correctly. And without amal, obviously, with the sifat that are required in that amal, there must be ikhlas in it, there must be khushu khudu in it. There must be all the other sifat that are required. That ilm 
via that amal must take us to Allah Ta'ala. If a person has determined that this is his destination, then too he still now has to get the right directions. And without knowing the road, without taking the right road, he'll never reach there. He knows where he wants to get to, but he won't get there. Part of the road that he has to travel is the road of Adab. Without Adab, nobody has acquired ilm. He's acquired maybe ma'lumat, he's acquired information. Is that amount of information available even to many people without Iman, that many a well-learned alim also doesn't have that amount of information. Some of these people have gone so deep into the ma'lumat. But ilm, the person doesn't have Iman, we don't have ilm. Ilm is laysal ilmu bi kasratir riwaya. Imam Malik rahmatullah This is not by knowing excessive quotations. This is a noor that comes in the heart. That same noor Imam Shafi Rahmatullah spoke about. Shakawtu ila waqihin suahivri fa'usani ila tarkil ma'asi fa inna al-ilma noorum min ilahi wa noorullahi la yu'ta di'asi Mashal every student from Adadiya has ever learned this. But this is the same noor that is the direction. So this comes via all these sifat. A beautiful, very, very concise, small little kitab of Qadi Siddiq Bandi Adabul Muta'allimin something that should be read maybe more than once a year, maybe every term to refresh it. It summarizes everything that we should, the whole road. That road to the destination is all summarized in there. There are many, many bigger kitabs as well on the topic. This summarizes everything very nicely, mashallah. This is something we should read at least once a term to refresh those lessons. What kind of adab, what kind of ilm, what kind of manner and taqwa. This is part of the truth. What taqullah wa yu'allimukumullah. Prescription from Allah Ta'ala's side. If a person wants ilm, then the manner of acquiring that ilm is through taqwa. Otherwise, ma'lumat might come. But other than that, ilm that can't come. That won't come without taqwa. That won't come without adab. That it won't mix up like it's either day or night. It's not day and night. There'll either be ilm or there'll be malumat. There'll either be taqwa or there'll be masiyat. Ilm comes via taqwa. So masiyat Ilm won't come with that. Then it'll be something else. So in order to gain ilm, then a person will have to be far away from Masyad. In order to gain ilm, he'll have to be far away from Su'ul Adab. And those who acquired ilm in the correct way, then that passion for ilm came in them, and the passion for amal came in them, and the passion for serving that ilm came in them. Serving the deen came in them. Just to understand this passion, this passion for deen, passion for the khidmat of deen. And that is part of that vision that a person should have from day one. 
that he is studying and learning and acquiring this ilm, it's for the khidmat of deen. For his own amal obviously, starting off with himself, and to pass it on to others. Among our very great akabir, Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangui, he was imprisoned by the British in India on the charge of treason. Any case now, he said you were trying to overthrow the government and so on, whatever else. So they imprisoned him. But now, it took six months, or whatever time it took, more than that in fact, and they couldn't really stick any charge on him properly. So finally they released him. Now when he was imprisoned, in that time, now we're talking about prisons of India, any prison is a prison. And in that zamana, very harsh conditions. Very, very difficult. And obviously they were subjected to even worse conditions because they were regarded as very like the main enemies of the British. So in any case now the time passed, while he was in prison, he made the prison into a madrasa. There are so many Muslim inmates also there. So now he started working on them. And then now they started becoming conscious that they should be learning deen, so he started teaching them also. Somebody is learning Quran Sharif for the first time, somebody is learning his uh, Salah for the first time, somebody is all the basics of deen. So in any case this carried on. Eventually the message came that they decided to drop the charges because they can't really take this to court, there's nothing going to work out in court and he's going to be released. Now when this message came along, one prisoner who was there, he started crying. Asked him, what are you crying for? He says, I have been learning my Quran Sharif for the first time in my life. And I have come thus far. Mm. I'm still far from completion. But for the first time I have come this far, first time I'm learning the Quran Sharif. And I'm a long-term prisoner here. I've got a long time here. You want to get released, there's nobody else to teach me here. My Quran Sharif, this is where you stop. So this is now that is making me very grieved. I thought, inshallah, I will have this great opportunity, at least wherever I am now, but at least I'll learn the Quran Sharif. So the Nguyen replied to him and said to him, that whatever release order can come, you rest assured that until your Quran Sharif is not complete, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. When you have completed your Quran Sharif, then I'll go. The release order came, now he's free to go. He opts to remain under those prison conditions. What kind of food, what kind of living conditions, what kind of everything. In order to teach one person Quran Sharif. And when that person completed his khatam, he might have obviously now put more effort to make him get through the paces quicker. When that person completed his Quran Sharif, then he left. Now that passion didn't come then. It started off on day one. It was that capacity for that passion started off on day one. Because that ilm was acquired in the manner that it should have been acquired. That ilm was acquired in that manner with that talab, with adab, with taqwa, with that appreciation of that ilm. And that brought about this kind of result. And one one person, one alim, was sufficient for a huge area. Meaning that Rouhani says that sometimes one person was now, because there were very few, 
One person might be like for hundreds of kilometers, there's nobody else, only him. He was sufficient for the whole place. To guide the whole place, he was sufficient. Nowadays, unfortunately, we are not sufficient for ourselves. But what was the difference? How they went about acquiring the ilm? With what dedication, what heart, what taqwa, together with that, that amal. Hadith, the Hadith, the incidents in his life are many, but one which is a very well-known incident also, in his abbiti, etc. is there, and this is something we should make a point of. During the days of our dars, etc., it's a difficult thing, but there's a weekend, there's a holiday time, something to do is to read the sawanih, the biographies of the Akazir. There are many now available in English also, it's in Urdu, some of them are in Arabic. Obviously the Sirat of Sahaba Ikram, the Aslaf, etc. And there's a wealth of it to take from the lives of our Akabir, because they lived the lessons of the Aslaf. Tazkiratul Khalil, Tazkiratul Rashid, these are things, and you'd be amazed at the ulum of these Akabir. These Sawani, especially Tazkirat al-Rashid, Tazkirat al-Khalil, this entire chapters on the ulum. And the thing is, this, when a person reads somebody's biography and he reads it with an open mind, biographies of the Aslaf, etc., then it has a very deep impact on the heart. It gives a direction, it gives a himmat also to do something in the manner that they did, to emulate them. This gives a lot of direction, a lot of guidance. So this is something to do with many, many biographies of our recent past, the Kabir of our recent past, Mr. Mahmoud Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi, Mr. Qari Siddiq Banu Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi, then Mr. Mahmoud Masiullah Khan Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi, Mr. Sheikh Rahmatullah Alayhi's Abbiti is there in English, and various other Kabir. This is something to make a point of doing. And whoever did it, they really appreciated having taken the time to have read through these things. There's a lot to take out of it. Sometimes we are searching for things. Everywhere is all found. Much of it is here. In terms of that direction, in terms of that guidance that we need. So in any case, talking about Sheikh Ramtul he was so engrossed in his kitabs and in his work of ilm that he didn't have time to even eat himself. He used to have one meal a day in the morning. That night meal, his sister would sit there and she would feed him. He's busy in his kitab and she's putting one lukma at a time in his mouth. Then that sister passed away. That sister passed away, so now he stopped having that meal. Because now he was too busy. He didn't have the time to stop and eat. So he survived on that. He so very strongly forbid anybody else from doing that. So this is something I'm managing with. Nobody else should try to do what I'm doing in terms of having only one meal a day. <laughs> but the point is that this was his engrossment. But that barakat that came in his ilm was together with this engrossment, all the various other sifat that he developed. Allah Tawfiq, that, that last Ramadan of Hazrat Shaykh that he spent in South Africa. The last Ramadan of his life was in South Africa in Stenger. Stenger was my hometown. I was still in school at the time. But 
Allah Ta'ala's fazal that it was the school holidays, it was the mid-year holiday. So we spent the time there in the masjid, it was more like a kind of excitement for us, didn't that understand the reality of what's there, past 13 years old at that, that, that time. But there was something amazing that stuck in my mind from then till now. I used to see this Zuruk is here, mashallah. But he didn't speak one word in that whole duration that he was there. Meaning to the public, meaning in any discourse, any was, any lecture. And the center of attraction was him. People were coming from Johannesburg and Wenot for the whole month of Ramadan. There were more than 250, 300 people in Ithaca. The last 10 days it went to about 700, 800. Now this was at a time in South Africa when Atikaf, if you got two, three people, that two, two, three old people sitting in a masjid, that was Ghanimad. There was no, this is now, after that time that Hazrat Sheikh Ramadan came to South Africa and left, all this came alive. Otherwise, this was something in Stanger, that picture is in front of my mind still. Here in here are the same eight, ten old people, they would be making Atikaf. Thus it was fixed, these ten people would be there, eight, ten people, one, two, <coughs> youngsters, nobody. Never. But after that, the whole thing changed. Now, ulama, senior mashayikh, he, but if he wasn't there, there's a good chance these people wouldn't have come so, to that extent. On a weekend, on a Saturday night, the crowd is 5,000 people. <laughs> Till that Sunday, and then many people, maybe dozens of people used to travel one and a half, two hours every day to come, be part of the program, and they're going back, but he's not talking anything. Whoever else will conduct the program, one of his khulafah, etc., different programs, different people will conduct. He would be just seated there, and the program is over. At the most, people will get a chance to make musafa with him, and that's it. 99% of the people didn't hear, meaning from the public, didn't hear one word from him directly. He didn't say one word. So why everybody's coming? Normally, it just depends on how well a person, what a good orator he might be, that he might draw the crowd. And no matter how sincerely he might be speaking, but if he is not somebody that can be a person that can, is a good orator, people are not interested. Why? Because generally, our problem is that we are looking for the excitement of the ear, not for the inhabitation of the heart. So now the ear gets excited with something that sounds very nice. But the heart gets filled with something, not that the person speaking is not speaking with that heart, but we're not listening with that heart. So the heart gets filled when something is, when the need is for the heart. The need is not only for the, for the ears. So in any case, what we are talking about is, Sheikh Ramatul is sitting there quietly, these thousands of people are coming and going, and I have never seen any gathering where in one Dastar Khan, there were so many senior ulama, mashayikh in their own rights on that one Dastar Khan is Mufti Mahmud Sahib Rahmatullahi Mufti Zain Al-Abidin Sahib Rahmatullahi and Ali Muhammad Ali Sahib Rahmatullahi all these great so many of them names I've forgotten also maybe on one Dastar Khan you'll find maybe the cream of the crop of the our Kabir of Deoband at the time what they came for? This person is not talking anything, others are talking fine, yeah, programs carrying on. But they're coming for him, but he's not talking one word. 
to something in the heart that was being generated. And what they were coming for is that sohbat of that, in the sohbat of a person of this caliber. Hazrat Shah Wasirullah one of the very senior khulafa was it? Once in his gathering, so there was a regular time, Majlis used to take place at a certain time, people would come, he would give them some nasihat, etc. And then they would leave. So one day everybody came, they gathered, and he remained quiet, he didn't say one word. Everybody sitting, the time is ticking. So for example, if the time of the Majlis normally is one hour, for the whole one hour he just kept quiet. He didn't say one word. When the time was up now, so finally he said, fine, the time is up now, everybody may leave. One person was sitting there, everybody was sitting quietly, nobody saying anything. So one person, he just sort of sighed. But now sometimes even just forget a sigh, even just some look also says a lot. Many times you might have heard that, or we might have said it to somebody also, that if looks could kill, by now I would be dead. Mm. The way you're looking at me, I would have been gone. You might have said it to people too. So sometimes one look also, that look says a lot. Now this person sighed, in that sigh, that whole message came out. That what he sighed about was, that like, I wasted my time coming today. I came from where I came, I came in Satya one hour, didn't hear one thing. So that was a sigh, he gave this whole story. When he heard this, he sighed. Then he said, Jo meri khamoshi se fayda nahi utha sakta, meri baato se bhi fayda nahi uthaega. Person who cannot benefit from my silence, won't benefit from my words also. What he was teaching is, that the purpose is not just merely to listen to some words, and to memorize some quotations, and to be able to quote at different occasions. The purpose is to take something into the heart. Prophet Muhammad Muhammad used to say, giving advice to people teaching and so on, that talaba ka ke kaan hamare zuban ke alfaz ko sunenge. The students, a person is teaching in a maktab, wherever he is teaching, so now tomorrow we will be somewhere teaching also. So to bear this in mind, that the students' ears will listen to what our tongues are saying. Then he said, aur unke dil mein hamari dil ki baat jayegi. But what is in our hearts will get transferred to their hearts. So, now these people who came there, despite knowing that this man is not going to talk, they knew he's not going to talk, but they still came, they came to take something from his heart. And this is that sohbat, that companionship, being in the company of the Ahlullah, being in the company of the Akabir. This is the thing that has always been the means of which this Ruhaniyat transferred. Ruhaniyat has always transferred heart to heart. And if you think about it, that what is the distinguishing characteristic of the Sahaba Ikram? The very word speaks about it. That they are Sahaba. The word comes from Suhba. Companionship. They were the Mufassirin of the highest caliber. They were the Muhaddisin of the highest caliber. They were the Fuqaha of the highest caliber. They were everything. Because Nabi Sallallahu transferred everything to them. But they are known by the distinguishing title of Sahaba. And even though they were those after them, that some 
had probably more prominence, you see, use the word prominence, in Thaqahat compared to many Sahaba also. There were Tabi'in, some Tabi'in had more prominence in Fiqh, etc., in Fatwa, in the time of the Sahaba, there were some Tabi'in giving Fatwa. And they were endorsed. But they cannot come anywhere close to the rank of the Sahaba. Despite that Faqahat they had, whatever they had, they can't come anywhere close to the rank of the Sahaba. What is the distinguishing factor? The Sahaba. These people were blessed with the Sahaba of Rasulullah That Sahaba of that brief moment transferred them from one point to such a point that the whole Ummah can't reach there. This is the same procedure that we carry on to Qiyamah. So to the extent that a person wants to take something from that heart, to that extent he'll get. And that is that direction. That at the end of the day, all the things are in its place. Everything will count provided there's something in the heart. The person has got his eyes, he's got his ears, he's got his hands, he's got his feet, he's got his... Everything is there. But only count provided the ruh is inside. Otherwise, say quickly bury him now. Quickly talking about how quickly he can have the janazah. How quickly he can bury him. Because now without the ruh, everything is intact still. He's just passed away. You can't even make out if a person doesn't know he's thinking he's still sleeping. There have been many instances somebody passed away. People were sitting around. They didn't realize he passed away. Because he went away so peacefully. Outwardly, it seemed like he was still sleeping. After a while, people are... Somebody is saying, is he breathing? Somebody is saying, no, he is. Somebody is saying, he's not. Check up. The check up is gone. They realize he's gone long. So now he's still looking like he's sleeping. He's still looking like he's there, he's alive. But the rue is gone. Now they're talking about when is the janaza. Now the only thing is to bury this under the ground. So likewise, there'll be that all the juz'iyat of fiqh, there'll be all the nikat of hadith sharif, there'll be all that waqiyat from the tafsirs, There'll be all the various things, but if that ruh of that nur of ilm is not there, all this will be lifeless. Besides being lifeless, it will become, Allah forbid, it has become for many a person a very big fitna that he is now abusing that ilm. It's not ilm, he's got malumat. There are people who are abusing it. These are things that, nothing that I can tell you which you haven't heard from your satis ikram. All that, these are just part of muzakara for my own benefit. But the king in India who became a big fitna for the Muslims of India, Akbar, he became deviated completely, created his own deen, called his own deen, deen ilahi No such thing as Usla Janabat in deen ilahi of his. No such thing as, whole, made much of the whole deen. Who were the people that were the means of his deviation? There were two people who had Zahiri ilm. An ilm of such a note, meaning that Zahiri ilm, that expertise that they had, that they wrote a whole tafsir, tafsir e nukat A whole tafsir, only using the letters that don't have dots on them. In the alphabet, how many letters will come out? Ba will be out, ta will be out, sa will be out, kha, jim, dad, wa. Now, a person, what mastery he must have on lughat? That he must be only selecting words which don't have any dots. And he used to write a whole tafsir. And they did it. Can we imagine the expertise they had? They became the means of his deviation. They provided all these baseless, broken istilals. 
and said, no, this is not necessary too, that is not necessary also, this is fine as well, that is fine also. People who had zahiri ilm of this caliber, that became a fitna for them, and fitna for others also. Where it started off from? It started off from that the person who starts following his desires. وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَىٰ فَيُضِلَّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ and in the other ayat Allah Ta'ala says وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمِ After the person started following his desires وَلَكِنَّهُ أَخْلَدَ إِلَىٰ الْأَرْضِ وَاتَّبَعَ هَوَاهُ It's another ayat. The person started following his desires وَأَضَلَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمِ Despite ilm, Allah Ta'ala deviated him. Because now he started following his desires. And that led to this end result. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save Ameen. us. Ameen. This is a very great na'mat, very great bounty of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala put somebody onto the path of acquiring ilm. Majuri billahu bi khayran. This requires that we keep revising all the adab. It's like that person going on the road. He's regularly checking his, on the right road. He's checking the boards out. He's looking at the GPS. He's still giving him the right direction. So he stopped. Whatever the case is, he's constantly checking. Likewise, we need to keep checking together with the checking in our own reflection to regularly take the mashwara and the guidance of our satis ikram apart from our ta'aleem on a personal note on a personal note to take their advice and guidance many a times we are faced with some challenges we are faced with some issue something is becoming an obstacle for us whatever it might be whether it's becoming an obstacle in our ilm an obstacle in our amal an obstacle in getting to the destination, you need to get to Allah Ta'ala. We take personal advice, take the time, they will be more than happy to guide us, to help us along. <coughs> Nobody's going to look down upon anybody. In the madrasas, normally this is a common thing, that there are a lot of rules, and a person who is found breaking a rule is taken to task. Depending on how severe the Transgression was, accordingly is taken to task. But a person who comes up to say, I got some problem, this is my issue, that person is helped, not taken to task. Just the heart opens out to that person that this, this is a talib. This is somebody seeking Allah Ta'ala. Why else would he come to ask such a question? So that is something that shaitan only puts that in the mind and heart, that how can you ever go and take advice about this from anybody? This is something you must just, don't worry, life will carry on. That's not the approach to take. We are all weak. Allah Ta'ala keep us on the path of mm-hmm. ilm, on the path of deen, on the path of istiqamat, of, on sirat and mustaqim. Mm-hmm. But challenges come about in the, some person's life. Challenges, obstacles come. We take that personal advice and we'll see how inshallah the barakat of that mashwara, the barakat of taking that, this is man taqarraba ilayya shibran. Take that step to go and ask some advice. This is the This is what Muhammad Atani Yamshi Atipuhu Harwalata. Inshallah, we'll see that barakat, that benefit coming, and in this way, we'll gain ilm as well, and it will open the path of amal and open the path of getting to Allah Taala. Allah Taala, give me also the tawfiq, and this is all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah.
اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما حصيت على نفسك جزاك الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهله ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما واجعلنا للمتقين اماما اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل اخرتنا خيرا من الاولى اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان اللهم ارنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وارنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد اذ وهب لنا من لدنك رحمه انك انت الوهاب ربنا انك جامع الناس الى ربنا اللهم اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين الحمد لله